Lovely. Thank you, Lori. The church that I grew up at, and maybe some of you grew up in a church like this too, that when somebody says, this is the word of the Lord, what do we say back? Also with you, or thanks be to God. Right? That was the word of the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> thanks be to God. Also with you, right? So good. Well, good morning, church. Like we said earlier, we're so thankful you're here. Um, like, like I said, too, at the beginning of service, we are a little short-staffed this morning. Steve and Patty are out of town. Um, they're kind of um, helping Patty's family with the passing of her mom. Um, they're figuring out how the estate's going to go within all that. So we're going to keep them in our prayers this week. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. So, so that's what we're going to be. Uh, we're going to pray for them later in service today, but that's kind of why we're a little short-staffed. And uh, my wife is over with uh, Sunday school this morning. So I'm, it's just really Ron and I and Dave. <laughs> it's, a, it's a few of us. So thank you for, uh, for being here today. But you know what? I really believe that today, um, today we've got some good stuff that God is going to teach us through, through this kind of last, or the week before the very last week of our Philippian series. It's been nine weeks. How are you doing? Have you learned a lot? Yeah? Good. Philippians is a cool book. It's short, but there's a lot of really good meat in there, isn't there? Amen? Yeah. Amen. So that's what we're going to do today. Um, I'm going to start my timer so I keep on track with our sermon today. Uh, but as we start, let's just pray. Let's, will you pray with me? Lord, um, I just pray that as we explore this word today in um, Philippians chapter 4, Lord, that you would really just, um, you'd make things clear in our hearts, Lord. We're, we're here for a reason not just to sit in a, in a seat and kind of go through the motions, but, Lord, for us to really just explore your word and become more like you. So, Lord, I pray that you would use me as a vessel this morning, that uh, you would just speak through me, that it'd be less of me and more of you today. Thank you for your word and how it guides us in our lives. We receive what you have to give us. Open our hearts and minds to, to hear what you want to say. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, um, this morning's message um, comes out of Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 to 9. We're just going to look at a few verses today. Um, but I titled this morning's message, by the way, I'm Alex Duarte. If you don't know who I am, I'm our youth and music and family pastor here. Um, just kind of holding down the fort this week. Um, but... Yeah, I, I'm so privileged to share this with you because I'll just be honest, God really did a number on my heart this week <laughs> looking at the scripture. So hold on tight because there's a lot of really good meat in this. You know that scripture about, you know, those new believers need that milk and those, those more mature believers need that big old steak? There's a lot of steak today. Yeah? Are, you, are some of you ready for no more milk? <laughs> you want some steak? Yeah, good. Amen? Amen. Well, let's get a big couple bites of steak today because there's so much to unpack with this scripture today, and I'm going to try and do it all in 30 minutes. Deal? And I've got 30 minutes right here, so keep me to it, okay? So this morning, I, uh, I titled uh, this sermon, Have Some Couth. Do you know what the word couth is? Who's ever heard that word? Raise your hand if you've heard the word couth. Yeah, good, some of us. Um, this was an inside joke within my family, so if my family's watching, this is for you, Dad. Um, but uh, this, this couth phrase, my dad used to say to uh, my brother and I, mostly me, um, but when I was a younger man, when I was a teenager, 
and my buddies would come over to the house, we'd have sleepovers, and we'd get, you know, teenage boys can be gross, right? Yeah, sometimes. For all the men in the room, do you remember being a teenager? Yikes, right? <laughs> so, do you remember that? Yeah, so, so sometimes you needed an, uh, an older gentleman to tell you, gentlemen, have some couth, right? We've, a lot of us guys in the room are looking at me going, yeah, I heard somebody say that to me once. Ladies, have you ever heard somebody say have some couth? Because you guys are just perfect, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 okay. All the husbands are like, ooh. <laughs> but, but it's true, right? This, this phrase of have some couth. Um, the word couth, by the way, it's a British word. It means to be cultured, refined, or well-mannered. And that's what today's scripture is really all about, is Paul is telling the Philippians from a prison cell, right? We've learned this so much through Philippians. Paul is saying some incredible stuff, but where is he saying it from? A prison cell, a jail, jail cell. He's in prison, and he's writing to this group of Christians in the city of Philipp, Philippi, right? And he is, he's got some really good words of encouragement. And today we're going to look at some of the best ones out of this whole entire book, some of those kind of classic phrases that you, maybe you've heard or maybe you have on your wall somewhere or one of those rustic little things that says like don't worry instead pray have you seen those like the hallmark card stuff that's a lot of this scripture today so we're going to look into the meat of that so today's message from paul and i really think it's for us too not just for the philippians have some cooth right my dad was a big believer in calling me as a young man he would say I'm speaking to who you can be rather than who you are right now. Ugh. I needed to hear that when I was 17, 18, 19, 20. Oh, wait, I'm 30. I still need to hear that from my dad, right? And, and the years that I have my father in my life, I'm going to continue to. I, I, there was a time where I used to laugh at the phrase, have some couth, and he used to say, Alex, this isn't a bachelor pad. He used to say that to me. I used to laugh at that. But now as a, as a man who works with teenage boy, young men, right? <laughs> There's a lot of times where I talk to some of the teenage men that I work with, and I say, gentlemen, have some couth, right? And I go, oh, man, look who I sound like, right? You ever say a phrase that you say, oh, man, I'm my parents? Yeah, that's me in my, in my season of life right now, right? So have some couth is what we're going to be talking about. And our subtitle for today's message is called, I wrote down, just shifting our gaze and our narrative. And we're going to just kind of focus on Kind of what does it mean for us to, and what I mean by shifting our gaze is, uh, am I actually looking at Jesus in all my circumstances, no matter how hard they are, do I actually have my eyes focused on Jesus or am I just looking at my circumstance? It's a good question, right? And then also, have I, what do I say about myself? What do I say about others? And what do I say about um, my circumstance or the circumstance of the world around me? Is it from a biblical Jesus lens Right, set of sunglasses, Jesus sunglasses. I used to do this lesson with kids. Put on sunglasses and go, whoa, I can see everything different. Right, Jesus lens, or am I looking at it from just, I'm a broken person in the world and this is my situation and I'm just, it is what it is. There's a hopelessness with that, right? Where Jesus wants to use Paul's words this morning to really encourage us and say, hey, there's hope. Let's, re, let's, let's refocus our gaze upon the Father and let's rethink and re-kind of calibrate our minds to really use language that um, really changes the narrative that we have around our circumstance. So we're going to be shifting our gaze with a new lens on life. I have a few notes here. Because of Christ, Paul has an incredible lens that he sees life through. 
that no matter what circumstance he's experiencing at the current time, he always sees it as an opportunity to experience joy and the peace that God brings, and we have to do the same. We've seen Paul do this through Philippians so far. It's been nine weeks of looking at Paul say, I'm in a prison cell, but boy, do I have hope. <laughs> I'm in a prison cell, but boy, do I have salvation, right? And imagine being the church that receives this letter from your, your buddy who's in, in jail, and you're like, wow, he's, if he's happy, then I should probably feel a little bit better about my circumstance. Amen? Amen. So um, as someone who, um, before we go any farther, I'm just going to have us look at two verses that I, I want us to have for our theme verse this morning. Um, we have two theme verses for us. Will you s just read this for me? It's verses four and five. Let's say it together. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, Joyce. Well, he said we have to say it again, so let's read that one again. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Um, we're not going to read it again. Let's keep going. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. There's an urgency with this message for us today, church. Beloved, there's something that we need to recognize that Jesus is coming back. That's what we as Christians have a hope for and believe. And if you're saying, oh, really, that's what we believe? Today's for you. Jesus is coming back. Did you know that? That's what we're hoping for. People say, Alex, why are you always so excited about Jesus? I go, because he's coming back tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes, and then he doesn't come back, and then I go, he's coming back tomorrow. And there's going to be a day where we keep saying this stuff, and then he's really going to show up. He's going to freak us out, and it's going to be awesome. That he's going to unite heaven and earth. He's going to do something miraculous. And, and for generations, the church has been waiting for him but are we still waiting, or have we given up? Still waiting. Thank you, Kathy. Can you say that again? Still waiting. Still waiting. Amen. Thank you, Kathy, right? We are still waiting. So there's an urgency with this. When I was in uh, Bible college, I took quite a few psychology classes. I did a lot of psych study. Um, and I was, I was kind of thinking this week as I looked at the scripture, I said, Jesus, how does one change their lens on their life, their perspective, and how do they really change their narrative? I was looking kind of from a clinical sense. So I pulled out some of my old psych textbooks in my office that I have. And something that I noticed is there's, a, there's something called CBT. I've got it up on the slides here for us. So just as we kind of explore what this means for us to change our lens, I want us to use this language really quick. Um, CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, um, I think really goes along really beautifully with the scripture today in, this, in the Christian life. You know, Paul has been doing all this stuff. The church, Jesus people have been doing this stuff for so many generations, but now we finally live in a time where we kind of have some language around this. And cognitive behavioral therapy is this kind of, it's a, in a, it's a theory of, of psychology where you, like if someone's to come to my, to my office, I'm not a clinical counselor, but... If you were to come and say, hey, Alex, I'd like to have some counseling with something in my life, and we would meet. What I usually do after I meet with someone for the first time is I pull out all my textbooks, take out a notepad, and I'll say, this theory would be good for this individual next time I talk with them. You know, I'll usually do about three to four sessions before I really send you off to a professional, right? But just for me, it, as, as one of the, the, uh, the ministers here on site, to know what you're going through there's a lot more stuff that I do behind the scenes with this stuff where 
I kind of looked at Paul's encouragement to the Philippians this week and said, hey, that looks a lot like cognitive behavioral therapy, what he was doing. And, and that is where an individual tends to incorporate faulty thinking, which leads to emotional and behavioral disturbances. What that means outside of clinical language and clinical terminology is um, that when we have faulty thinking, it, it leads us to emotional and behavioral disturbances. Does that make sense? You follow me on this? That when we are looking at our actions and we're kind of disappointed in our own actions or maybe someone else's, maybe we need to look at not the branch, but the root. What's the root? What are we putting into our minds and our hearts? Which is what Paul's talking about today to the Philippians. Hey, if your actions are not Christ-centered, let's go to the root, right? This is the branch. My actions are the branch. This is what manifests out of my heart and my mind. But if I need to change my behaviors or someone else needs to, where do we need to go to, the branch or the root? Where's my gardeners in the house? <laughs> if you're going to prune back a tree or you're going to take out some weeds, what do you take out? Where do you take it out? Just from the top? No, because what does the weed do? It grows back, right? So if we're frustrated with our actions and our behaviors, Paul's encouraging us today, hey, take a step back. Let's go back, right? And in CBT and, and, and uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, the, the job that a, um, a therapist or um, maybe a, a psychologist does, their aim is to increase their client's self-awareness so that they can break this negative cycle of emotional dysregulation. What I mean by all this, beloved, is this. It says we are, uh, what we say about ourselves, about those around us, about our circumstance, actually carries more weight than we realize sometimes. Have you ever noticed that? That the narrative you speak about yourself really affects how you feel about yourself. The narrative you speak about an individual really affects your viewpoint on them. Or if there's a circumstance, you go, you say these things, and that really affects how we feel about something. For us, as Christians, changing our lens and our focus, our narrative, our gaze, I would say is life and death. Meaning, if you want to stay dead to sin and stay dead to the world, just keep doing what you're doing. But if you want a Jesus approach to life, let's get to the root of the problem. Amen? That brings us fullness of life when we start to look at Jesus and not just see his words, not just hear a sermon, not just sing a song, not just sit our butt inside of a seat just to do what we've done because that's what we're supposed to do, but to actually follow him and look at his example and apply it to our lives, we start to look different. One of the most special times in my life was a season when I came back from touring around with a Youth Encounter band that I was in. Does, does people remember Youth Encounter? Remember these bands that would show up at churches and play songs and stuff? Very 90s, early 2000s, okay? Um, right, this is how Annie and I met. We were traveling around with these worship bands and the cool thing was the person that you were when you came in and the person that you came out as were totally different people. I remember moving home to Seattle and seeing some of my old bandmates and they go, wow, that Christian band you toured with for the last year really changed you. Good. <laughs> because the person that I was before I did that didn't have any couth. See what I'm getting at? My buddies go, why, why are you so, why do you like playing at church? I said, 
well, the pressure's off me to be the lead singer. It's all about Jesus. I get to duck and allow people to see the cross. What the heck does that mean, man? Well, it means having some couth. Maybe the way that you're living isn't the best because aren't you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Because I was. Thank God I got Jesus. Hey, man, you need Jesus. No, 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 I'm good. No, you need Jesus. <laughs> no, no, no. No, dude, you need Jesus. Have some couth, right? Friends, our inner attitudes don't have to reflect our outward circumstance. This is a footnote that I found in one of my Bibles this last week in studying the scripture. I thought, I'm going to have lots of scriptures and footnotes for us today. Um, our inner attitudes do not have to reflect our outward circumstance. In verse 4 out of our scripture, it says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. And I think it seems strange that a man in prison would be telling us to rejoice, right? But Paul's attitude teaches us an important lesson, that our inner attitudes do not have to reflect our outward circumstance. If you're feeling crushed by the world, you don't have to feel that because we have Christ who has been victorious over the what? The world. <laughs> Let me say that again. We have Christ. We are victorious over the world. So if you're feeling overwhelmed by the weight of the world, are you looking at your life and your circumstance from a correct lens? Yes or no? No. If you're feeling that weight, we got we to gotta put on our glasses, right? Paul was full of joy because he knew that no matter what happened to him, Jesus Christ was with him. And if you haven't been feeling joyful lately, you may not be looking at life from the right perspective. Would you like more joy in your life? Should we change our perspective? Yes. Should we change what we're putting into our system? Yes. Do you need Jesus? <laughs> yes, good, <laughs> good, good. Beloved, we have to take every thought captive. We have to take every thought captive. What I mean by that is, if we're looking, like I said earlier, if we're looking at our actions and they do not reflect Christ or reflect the person that we want to be in Christ, we have to get to the root of the problem. We have to, we have to go to this place and say, I'm going to just commit to the next week taking every thought that I have captive. I'm tired of letting my, run, my mind run rampant. Who's ever felt like that? I feel like it all the time. I'm a person, I say this often from up front, because I believe somebody has to say it from up front. I struggle with depression and anxiety. I do. I take medication for it every day. And a big part of my recovery process has been learning from Jesus and counselors and the like, take every thought captive. When you're feeling blue, Alex, grab that thought Grab it by its throat and don't let it take you down any farther. Is the pandemic hard for a lot of us? Yeah. We have come, we're in a season where as, as Christians, as the world, as a society, we need to take every thought captive. Because ultimate joy comes from Christ dwelling within us. Christ is near to us. And at his second coming, which is coming soon, we will fully realize this ultimate joy. He who lives within us is us will fulfill his final purposes for us. 
You know, something I want to just talk about briefly in our actions is I want us to go to this next slide that says, we are to be considerate to everyone, and I mean everyone. Not just people that you like or have the same politics or the same values or whatever. Everyone. You know when the church thrives is when we're kind to everyone. You didn't like that I said that. You should have saw your faces. I, I love you, beloved. I'm serious. We really need to. Because we live in a world that is, is searching for everything except for Jesus. To satisfy these, these place, places in our hearts that are sick. And if we're going to really bring healing in the world, then we need to start by being considerate to everyone. Everyone, everyone. Verse 5 out of our theme verse, let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. I don't want to get caught, you know, that old phrase with your pants down, right? Where, like, where the Lord kind of comes and he sees us and he goes, hey, why weren't you being nice to that guy? Right? As a new dad, my daughter does this thing where she'll hurt her little brother and then I come around the corner and she goes, wasn't me. As the little brother, I'm like, hey, no, right? Like, I'm looking out for Jay. But, like, like, but do you know what I'm saying? I don't want to have our father come around the corner or come around the corner in my life and, and arrive right now. Okay, we'll wait for another minute, right? But for us to be kind of caught there going, well, they didn't like my politics. Who cares? You're called to love them. Well, they're not in my social circle. Who cares? Well, they live under the bridge and they need to get a job. Who cares? Love them. You hear my heart? This is serious. There's an urgency. We are to be considerate, reasonable, fair-minded, and charitable to those outside the church, not just to fellow believers. This means that we are not to seek revenge against those who treat us unfairly nor are we to be overly vocal about our personal rights. Hmm. America has got to talk about this right now. Like I've said many times when I preach, coming home from Australia, I came home to a different America where everyone was trying to kill each other. And I said, what happened to my people? What happened to my nation? What happened to us? We are... Our personal rights are valid, and no one should feel an, an injustice put upon them, right? But if that's our God, whew, no wonder you're unsatisfied. No wonder, wonder you have no joy. What's your focus? Your personal rights or your personal little kingdom that you have? Or Jesus? Are you kingdom-focused or kingdom-focused? You see what I'm saying? 1 Peter 2, 11 to 12 says this, I appeal to you, my friends, as strangers and refugees in the world. We are not of this 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 world. We are temporary citizens of earth. Do you have a kingdom mindset? Or are you so focused on, do I have the newest Tesla or not? We live in Scottsdale, people. I'm not blind to where we live. I can't tell you how many conversations I have about Teslas with people. I like Elon Musk too, cool. What's your kingdom? Are you kingdom focused? 
Or are you kingdom focused? On my little plot of success, Tesla's, you know what? The battery's going to die out. They're going to make a new model. You're going to have to spend more to get the new model. Do you get what I'm saying here? We are temporary citizens. Do not give in to bodily passions, it says in 1 Peter, which are always at war against us in the soul. Your conduct among the heathen, or the ones outside the church, should be so good that when they accuse uh, you of being evildoers, they will have to recognize your good deeds and so praise God on the day of his coming. I want to live a life that people go, man, Alex, you got a joy that I just need. Not, man, Alex, you got a really cool Tesla. Because you know what? I'm in ministry and I'm not getting one anytime soon. You've all seen the budget. You know what I make. There's no hiding in church work. You can't hide your, your income. Taxes might throw you off a little bit, but anyways. Titus 2, 2 to 9, I love this. This is one of my favorite scriptures of all time. Titus was, um, you know the word um, Cretan? You've heard this word before? I've said this before here, right? This, the book of Titus was written to the people who lived on the island of Crete, right? And these people were Cretans because they were gross. <laughs> Romans, if you were a nasty Roman, it was kind of the Las Vegas of Rome, Crete, okay? If you were like, if you had a, a little villa as a Roman uh, official, you probably had it on Crete because it was gross. Lots of gambling, lots of sex, lots of nasty stuff. But, but Paul was writing this, this, this letter to this guy, Titus, who established a, tur- a church on Crete, which God bless him. I don't know how they did that because if you look at the historical record, that place was gross, right? But here's what he says to them in, in, in the book of Titus chapter 2. He says, older men are to be sober-minded. Dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and in steadfastness. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or gossipers or slaves to too much wine, ladies. Sound good? Like I said, I know we live in Scottsdale. I know it goes down in Cave Creek. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home kind and submissive to their husbands, right? He's not just saying be a housewife, but what is it getting at here? We, we know the context. Saying, come on, let's, let's be present on the home front, right? This goes for men too, right? The word of God, um, so that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men like myself to be self-controlled. I need your help. Teach me that. That's your job. Do you see what I'm saying? We got something in this together. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may not, uh, may, uh, so that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us. Have some couth, right? That's what he's getting at. Paul's really good at this. I'm sure Paul was just an upstanding citizen. Maybe. Probably was broken just like the rest of us. This is not one of those messages where I'm going like this. This whole week I've been going like this. That's why I said this, this did a doozy on me this last week. That's why I want to share this. Is, I think it's good for all of us. Amen? Hey, this is an interesting thing. Let's just look at this, verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has done. It's a BBS song. 
Do you want to worry less? Yes? What's it say up here? Then pray more. <laughs> if we want to worry less, let's pray more. You know, imagine never worrying about anything. It seems like an impossibility. We have worries all around us, but if we're honest, how often are we worrying about the little things in life more than we really should? Let me tell you this really quick. Yesterday, we had a family photo shoot for our Christmas card. And I was going to wear this blazer, and Annie was going to wear a jean jacket. Okay? We spent about 30 minutes on the drive arguing if I should wear the blazer or if she should wear the jean jacket and how they don't match in a family picture. <laughs> Francis was in the back and goes, who cares? Do you see what I'm saying, friends? Jean jacket or blazer. This is not salvation issue. My mom was a church secretary for years. It's a church I grew up at. <coughs> Excuse me. And she used to say to people, they'd say, well, someone took uh, that sticker off that chair. Or, you know, that plaque was moved. Do you know who the person was that died and we put their plaque there in their name? And my mom used to always say, is this a salvation issue? Right? Do you see what I'm saying? Wasn't that so good? I, I, something that I love that my mom taught me, I used to sit and play games on her computer when she'd be doing filing stuff. You know, I'd come from school and go sit in the church office. And um, I'd always laugh when these people would come, and I'd kind of just sit like this and go, she's going to say it. She's going to say it. And then she'd go, is this a salvation issue? Right? Was my blazer or Annie's jean jacket, was that a salvation issue? Don't worry about anything. <laughs> Instead, pray about everything. Something I've been thinking about, is this prayer worthy, this worry that I have? All right, we need to ask ourselves that. Am I worrying about something that I need to pray about, or am I just being ridiculous? Right? And if the answer is no, you don't really need to pray about this, then maybe you need to change your perspective. Paul's advice uh, is to turn our worries into prayers. Do you want to worry less? Then pray more. Whenever you start to worry, pause and pray. You know, when a Christian kneels, we are actually standing tall in Christ. The world will laugh and mock us, but in meekness, we do not find weakness. You've heard that phrase, meekness is not weakness? I think I learned that from my Boy Scout leader, but uh, that's for you, David. Represent Boy Scouts. But right, for us to do this, beloved, is, is to, be, to be tall in Christ. Can you still see me on live stream, Tom? Right, But when we kneel, when we come to the Lord in prayer, when we bow low and, and put our hearts above our heads, kind of, there's that language, that's a Pentecostal language for you, right? We, we actually stand tall in Christ. And we have to remember that prayer is the most crucial part of the journey of being made new. God's peace is different from the world's peace. In verse 7, then you will experience God's peace. After you pray, right, let's put these two verses together. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And then Paul continues, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. We've all heard this Bible verse. Classic, right? Friends, God's peace is different from the world's peace. 
True peace is not found in positive thinking, absence from conflict, or good feelings. Oops, it comes from knowing that God is in control no matter what, no matter how upsetting our circumstance feels. Our citizenship in God's kingdom is sure. Our destiny is set. We have victory over our sins, and we need to allow God's peace to guard our hearts and minds from anxiety, from depression, from worry. I thought it was really interesting. I saw a commentary this last week that talked about, isn't it interesting that Paul uses militant language of guard? I've never thought of the word guard as militant, but it's true, right? We saw this with the Queen's funeral recently, those of us who watched it, right? But, um, you know, there was that guy who fell asleep. Did you see that guy? One of the guards kind of leaned over and fell asleep uh, guarding, the, guarding Queen Elizabeth's coffin. <laughs> it was great, right? Great TV. But, like, we have to be reminded that God, Jesus, is standing in front of our hearts because he see, in our minds, he sees our hearts and our minds as a treasure trove. And he's kind of like this, this guard that stands, a sentry that stands guard. And he says, what's in there is some of the most important treasure on the planet. And I'm going to stand here night and day to make sure that it gets filled up with the things that, that should be. And what do we start to do? Hey, Jesus, catch this garbage bag for me, would you? Would you throw that in the treasure trove? Would you throw that in the treasure trove? And he's like, hey, what are you doing, man? And then what do you have to do? He has to go get it, chuck it back at us and say, stop. And then we just throw him another bag. Do you get it, what I'm getting at here? Right? This image of Jesus standing here. We need to remember that our hearts and minds are, are to be guarded and that the Lord wants to guard us with his peace. But if we're just throwing a bunch of gunk and junk in there, how can he really do his job? What we put in our minds determines what comes out in our words and actions. Have some couth. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. It says in verse 8, fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. What we put in our minds determines what comes out in our words and our actions. Paul tells us to program our minds with thoughts that are true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, things that are worthy of praise. Do you have problems with daydreams or impure thoughts? I do as a broken human, of, a human in the world. Yes, I do. Examine what we, we need to examine then what we are putting in our hearts and our minds through television, through the internet, through books, through conversations and movies. How often are you just watching gunk? Let's be real. How many things can we stream these days? So much. How much of it should we watch? Not very much. We need to repent and, and we need to replace harmful input with wholesome material. I'm not saying you have to be a prude about stuff, but be mindful. When I watch this thing, does it lead me to sin? Right? Whether you're watching Fox News or CNN, does this make me angry? <laughs> if the answer is yes, stop. Let me help you find another news source that's healthy. I'm serious. There's lots of really good, like, actual, like, Christian look at the world. We're going to put a Bible verse with it and move on. 
Do you see what I'm saying? It doesn't always have to be an opinion piece of what side, whether you're red or blue, I don't care. We need to ask God to focus our minds on what is good and pure. And this takes practice, you guys. But it can be done because he's going to finish what he started in us. Repentance means to make a U-turn in our lives and on our behaviors. I thought this was interesting, right? Confession always needs to be partnered with the word turn. And my question for us today is why are you confessing when you're not really going to change? If you're not going to change, then don't confess. That's a challenge, right? And we go, whoa, 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 I'm hey. No, seriously, let's confess if we're really willing to change. But we have to be willing to do that, right? It's kind of empty words if we don't really mean it. Check this out. I'm going to finish up. We're going to be done. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. I'm going to read this. I'm going to tell you a vision that I had from the Lord the other day. Come to me, all of you who are tired from carrying heavy loads, and I, Jesus, will give you rest. It's a promise. Take my yoke upon you and put it on and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in spirit and you will find rest. For the yoke I give you is easy and the load I will put on you is light. Before you look at the Galatians thing, eyes here for a second. Wake up. Hello. (laughs) You're doing good. I want to share a vision with you because this is so true. I read this scripture the other morning for a devotional in the morning and, and I've never had a vision around this, but Jesus, I closed my eyes for just a second and Jesus showed me I was plowing this field with a giant yoke like you put on an oxen with a plow behind me. It was this muddy, muddy field. And I'm just plowing this thing, and I look up, and Jesus is starting to walk towards me. I start to well up in my eyes. I started to cry when I saw this. And Jesus comes up to me, and he goes, let me help you with that, son. He picks up the yoke, and he drops it in the mud. And I'm kind of standing there, feeling kind of naked. And he puts his arm around me, and he goes, this is my yoke. This is my yoke. Isn't that good? Holy cow. I mean, I just started to weep. And he goes, walk with me, son. And we start walking. And you know what I do? <laughs> I started going like this, looking backwards. And he takes my, my chin by his finger and he says, look forward, son. Stop looking back at your past. Take my yoke upon you because it's gentle, it's light. Man, and can I just tell you, since I had it the other day, I've just been feeling good. Don't you need to hear that today? Amen. Yeah, what's that? Amen. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. That yoke I was looking back at was that yoke of slavery. And Jesus is saying, let's keep walking forward. Let's finish up. True love looks like obedience, friends. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, and God of peace will be with you. Let's finish this up. It's not enough to hear or read the word of God or even to know it well. We must also put it all into practice. How easy is it to listen to a sermon, I know, and forget what the preacher says, (laughs) or fall asleep, stay awake. (laughs) How easy is it to read the Bible and not think about how it should change us or make us different? How easy is it for us to debate what a passage means and just not even live out what that meaning is? Whatever meaning we agree on, let's live it out. If you're just spending all your time debating Bible passages, 
Sounds really exhausting. It's not what Jesus is all about. How easy is it for us to lose focus? Exposure to God's word is not enough. It must lead us to obedience. Obedience is the best way to show God and others that we love them because we trust and live out what they are asking us to do. Leviticus 18, 3-4 says this, Do not follow the practices of the people of Egypt where you once lived, or the people of Canaan, that, of the land of Canaan where I am taking you now. Obey my laws and do what I command. I am the Lord your God. We've got to refocus our gaze upon the Father and rework our narrative. Amen? Let's finish up with our theme verse. Say it together. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. And remember that the Lord is coming soon. Will you pray with me? Jesus, I just thank you so much for this opportunity that we got this morning to really receive from you. Receive from your word that uh, just really refocuses us and reestablishes you as king over our hearts. Lord, we confess that there have been times where we have fallen short of your glory. Jesus, forgive us for the times that we have allowed something else to be at the center of our lives, whether it be our circumstance, ourselves, other people, the brokenness of the world, whatever. Jesus, we pray for your peace to come and rest on us right now. Holy Spirit, we pray for your guidance and for your your love and your grace to really just, just bring us peace. Lord, I pray over every heart in this house today, all those who are tuning in online, to just allow you to really guard their heart. Lord, thank you that you say that our minds and our hearts are a treasure trove. Thank you for standing guard. Please be with us as we follow you this next week. Focus our gaze upon you, Father. Help us to change our narrative of our circumstance, ourselves, and others. Help us have some kuth. In Jesus' name, amen.